and welcome to Global, a podcast from the International Republican Institute. I'm your guest host, Natalie Longwell. Typically on this podcast, we look at how countries and people are progressing towards or sometimes away from democracy. Other times we look at a theme like press freedom or corruption. But right now, COVID-19 has captured the world's attention and it has ours too. The global pandemic is straining both health systems and governments, but there's another side to this story. Right now around the world, there are people mobilizing to preserve and even strengthen democracy throughout this crisis. In this series of Global, we'll meet some of these democracy first responders. We'll travel around the world, virtually of course, and talk to politicians, activists, medical workers, journalists, tech pioneers, government officials, and everyday citizens like you and me. These are very different people, but everyone we spoke with has one goal in common, to respond to this crisis successfully and to protect their country's democratic institutions or even build new ones. Before the coronavirus hit, Lebanon was home to one of the world's most vibrant people-powered protest movements, demanding accountable, transparent government and rejecting entrenched elites. But restrictions on gatherings are straining this movement and ruling elites and foreign powers are using the crisis to challenge their gains and reestablish their own support. Can Lebanon's protest movement and other movements like it adapt or even thrive in this new reality? To find out, we talked to Makrem Raba, an activist, journalist, and professor of history at the American University of Beirut. Makrem has been active in writing about Lebanon's protest movement and exposing efforts to silence it. Makram has also been calling for reforms that respond to people's demands for change. First of all, could you tell me a little bit about how you've seen the coronavirus impact Lebanon? Well, unfortunately, I don't think our main problem in Lebanon is the coronavirus. The coronavirus was simply the cherry on top. Lebanon or what remained of Lebanon had been destroyed long before we had uh, this existential threat to humanity, which is the coronavirus. The problem is many of the people think that the difficult road ahead is because of the coronavirus. I tend to disagree because there's no longer a viable state. And given the fact that the state is no longer able to pay its debts, and there's, uh, there's an important thing that Lebanon as a nation has been isolated from its Arab and from the international community in a way, there's no way of an economic resurgence given the current uh, the current factors, and the coronavirus makes it more difficult. So our inability to rise up again doesn't have to do directly with the coronavirus. However, the coronavirus is one additional challenge. And can you tell me a little bit more about Lebanon's inability to pay its debts and specifically the people power movements demanding accountable and transparent governments that were really surging before the coronavirus hit? Well, on October 17 of last year, uh, we had this revolution which were asking for the removal of the ruling elite and a new independent government. Uh, although we were not able to achieve the independent government, we were able to topple the government of former Prime Minister uh, Saad al-Hariri. The problem is it is not the fault of Saad al-Hariri alone, but rather decades or even a century long of corruption and more importantly, Importantly, recently, the challenge that Hezbollah and Iran has faced on the Lebanese system. We, as Lebanese, have been proud to call ourselves the only functioning democracy in the Arab world. This is no longer the case, simply because the 
people controlling the Lebanese government are a combination of corrupt politicians who use Hezbollah as a pretext, as well as the fact that Hezbollah does not want to relinquish its hold over Lebanon because it is the shell that it uses to operate on the Mediterranean. And as you know, there's this highway between Iran going through Iraq and Syria all the way to Beirut. This is something which Hezbollah wants to maintain. And Hezbollah ultimately is not a political party, as many might claim, but rather a militia. And it's only uh, concern at the moment, it's its ability to supply its troops. And this is why all of this makes the Lebanese uh, situation very thorny and very explosive, to say the least. With these protests, as you mentioned, were successful in some ways before um, they had to stop due to coronavirus. How are those protests now adapting? To be fair, these protests did not uh, die down only because of the coronavirus. They died down because people could no longer sustain a 24-7 movement because it was too expensive. Second and more importantly, many, the majority of the people thought to give the current Prime Minister Hassan Diab, who is only facade for the ruling establishment, a kind of a chance. However, since he took office, he has not done any step in the right direction, but rather he has been empowered by the ruling establishment and given some opportunities to come out of this as a popular Prime Minister. However, I think the coronavirus made sure that this uh, charade doesn't go on. The main achievement of the popular movement is the fact that people had enough of this clientelist system who unfortunately they have been abusing over the years. So we had a national movement and these movements were not restricted to cities and towns, but rather to the peripheries, as well as to the diaspora who were sending a clear message that we might not want a modern state. Lebanon's economy was connected to the economy of the Gulf. And the Gulf states at the moment see Lebanon as a threat because of the control of Iran over its political establishment. And thus, we have been cut off from our political as well as economic surroundings. So as COVID-19 continues to evolve and the current Lebanese government is now imposing strict measures to manage the economic and the health crisis. Do you feel that this response will lend itself to a backsliding of democracy in Lebanon? The government has been abusing the coronavirus uh, situation. People have been on lockdown because they know that the government or the, the healthcare system, just like other countries, and we are not the only country that has this problem, even uh, what we used to believe were modern states like Italy and Spain simply collapsed. At the moment, we are doing well simply because we have not been testing everyone. And this gives us a kind uh, sense, uh, sense, uh, uh, a false sense of safety. The healthcare system will collapse if uh, we have a real uh, challenge on our hands. But people have been aware and conscious of this fact, and thus they have been uh, somewhat very strict on implementing the coronavirus. However, the coronavirus is politicized by the fact that Hezbollah has not has not allowed the government to uh, announce a proper emergency scenario where the actual people that would take care of the logistics are the Lebanese army because Hezbollah requires or needs to move around. And this is something we brings us back to the idea of the sovereignty of the Lebanese government. More importantly, there are suspicions that in areas which are under the control of Hezbollah, many of the people who came back from Iran and from Iraq are not tested. And thus, we don't know really the magnitude of the infected people 
in Shiite, uh, in Hezbollah controlled Shiite areas. And this would place more and more restrictions on Lebanon. Second, and more importantly, in general, the government historically doesn't have the ability to reach the peripheries where we suspect that the most cases of coronavirus will be. In general, the healthcare system is no, no different from other government institutions which has ceased to function since the last decade or so. And you mentioned earlier that it's not only because of the coronavirus that the protests of last fall are changing and adapting. Um, How else are they adapting to this new environment, though, with coronavirus and everything that's present? And how are they continuing their fight for democracy? First of all, they have realized that it's not only about uh, mass demonstrations, nor nor about rioting and the ability to take to the streets, but rather this uh, so-called uh, conviction that this political elite or what it exemplifies can no longer represent us. So there is a kind of a very aggressive attitude from people. The ruling establishment has lost their eminence and people have no respect for them. And this is very important. So people over social media and over other means have been very aggressive in following up. And every citizen, in a way, has become a watchdog. But we have a main problem that the ruling establishment here is in control of the mainstream media. And many of the uh, negative uh, elements of the the actual demonstrations and the popular movement have been highlighted, whereas the real unity of the people and their uh, common goal to remove this establishment has not been properly focused on. And more importantly, we have many cartels in Lebanon and many lobby, lobby groups, be it the banking uh, banking lobby or these uh, people, rich contractors who make a lot of money, have been trying to influence the so-called public sphere and try to portray people that are taking to the streets as maybe hooligans or people that have no political direction. Simply, these people are not politicians. The people on the street shouting their heads off are asking for a viable state where their taxpayers' money is accounted for, and more importantly, to have access to our money. As you are fully aware, we have a kind of a quasi-capital control here in Lebanon. We cannot have access to our money, neither have access to our dollars. And because the Lebanese economy is so dollarized, we go back to the issue of the healthcare. The healthcare system cannot have access to medical supplies from abroad because, first of all, the government owns these public or private institutions, health institutions' money, which it did not pay. And even if they pay in Lebanese pounds, they don't have the ability to purchase basic medical equipment, which makes the coronavirus threat even more and more challenging. What do you think is next for Lebanon? Do you think that the government will rise to the challenge of this crisis and try to work for people? And do you think that the pro-democracy protest movements will continue to evolve in a way that will make them effective? As long as people have to line up in the the banks, and again, people are not all of the same political consciousness or the same political education, and thus they might not be interested in in going into the... how government properly works, but as end users of this system, as long as they have to beg for their money, as long as their healthcare system is in in utter shambles, and as long as we see in front of us Hezbollah abusing abusing the system, and we have militias which are exposing Lebanon to U.S. sanctions and U.S. punitive measures, I don't think any uh, Lebanese citizen would go back home. And even if they go back home, they will no longer uh, be willing cooperate with this clientless system, which uh, uses all the tricks in their bag to stay in power. It's no longer about 
if they stay in power or not. People on the streets have made fun of these politicians. And thus, what we call the pro-democracy movement is not only a pro-democracy movement, but it's a nationwide movement simply to tell these people enough is enough. If you want to be in power, corruption should have a limit. Their un- unheeded corruption and their appetite for uh, for money and for the abusing of the system has rendered this system uh, inactive. And thus, any attempt by these politicians to abuse sectarian identities or even national identities I think has failed. And they are using the coronavirus even to try to empower themselves as political parties and as sectarian leaders to try to say that the government does not protect you, but rather your community or your tribe does. And this is something that does not belong to the 21st century. So the world is watching Lebanon very closely. If you have a message for the global community, what would it be? First of all, Lebanon is not only a small uh, small state in the Middle East. Lebanon is an idea. And uh, the U.S. government and uh, the international community has a duty to protect the citizens against this corrupt uh, class of politicians. My main message is not to listen to these politicians, but rather to inspect their record. And rather, their record renders them unfit to rule. I think... The U.S. government, as well as the U.S. taxpayers, should understand that they should continue their help of the Lebanese people because simply Lebanon is not only an example of what a good state could be in the Middle East, but rather how that the international community has a responsibility to fix what it has broken over the years. And thus, Lebanon should always be on top of the priority simply because it does not cost the international community a lot to, first of all, stand by us, more importantly, morally and then financially. Makram, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. A huge thanks to Makram Raba for speaking to us from Lebanon. Stay tuned for more episodes in your feed on other democracy-first responders. Next up, you'll hear from Akaki Zwadis, a former member of parliament for the Georgian Dream Party. Akaki is a physician and public health expert who served as the chair of the Committee on Healthcare, Physician, and Public Health. Akaki has extensive experience in crisis management and the economic impacts stemming from such crises and will be an interesting perspective to hear from in a country which has emerged as a leader as a result of its coronavirus response. For more analysis, follow us at IRI Global on Twitter. Until next time, I'm Natalie Longwell. Thank you for listening to Global. Global.